New ideas and new technology are causing seismic shifts in the media industry. Where are we headed? What does it mean? Keep listening. Media strategist Gabriella Mirabelli talks with the brightest minds in entertainment and business. Meet the innovators, the risk takers, and the disruptors on the front lines of change from Hollywood, Wall Street, Silicon Valley, and beyond. The future is coming to a screen near you. Are you ready? This is the Up Next podcast with Gabriella Mirabelli. Welcome to Up Next. I'm your host, Gabriella Mirabelli. My guest today is Bill Murphy. He's the author of Thriving in the Storm and is a nationally recognized mortgage originator who has been a top producer for 25 years. Today, we'll be discussing his book and some of the things that readers can expect to take away to apply in their own lives. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Gabriella. I'm really excited to be here. Your book, Thriving in the Storm, outlines nine principles and 21 different techniques that can help readers overcome adversity. You cover a lot in your book. So rather than skating over all nine principles, I thought we could have a deep dive conversation into three of them. Manage your mind, identify and break negative patterns, and the pattern of positivity. So first, managing your mind. In the book, you talk about strengthening and hardening your mindset. What does strengthening your mindset mean? If we were to sort of the view from 60,000 feet, what does that mean? Well, managing your mind is putting in all good content and good stuff and staying, keeping away from the distractions and, and like the garbage in, garbage out theory. And so, you know, that means reading positive things. That means journaling positive. That means giving gratitude. That I think when you give gratitude, that's going to change your mindset and you change change you physiologically when when you are able to do that and i'm going to give you an example if you are if your outlook is is negative a lot of negative things happen when you start to shift it in a positive way the that's when positive outcomes happen so when you get up in the morning and you're worrying about the day's events well we all we worry and 90% of research shows that 90% of worries don't happen and the 10% of worries that do come true aren't as bad as they that we thought they were going to be mm-hmm. and then to take that a step further we we still think the same worry thoughts over and over so when you when you start to feel yourself in that pattern of of worry and in a pattern of negativity the easiest fastest way to take care of that is to give thanks and so if you're down and out, if you're sad, if you're depressed, if you're angry, if you're hostile and you're having those those feel those emotions, when you start to give thanks and lift up yourself, you're able to change your emotional state. It's the managing your emotions is feelings of love, joy, happiness and love for life, zest for life. And when you're able to do that, you're able to create and now you're creating opportunities for yourself. But again, if you're down and out, it's really tough to create from that space. So in terms of strengthening your mindset, it's really about making sure you wrestle control and you don't get into that ruminating, depressed place. But when you feel yourself going there to plug into gratitude, to look to those other things. So it's about, so almost like if we imagine we're driving a car, we're turning the wheel. We're not drifting off the side of the road. Is that, would that be a fair way to? Yeah, you summed that up nicely. Absolutely. (laughs) Excellent. Well, people say the best time to plant a tree is 30 years ago, and the next best time to do it is today. Can you start strengthening your mindset at any point in time? Is it if it, this is a good thing to do? You you can't you shouldn't get into the oh I didn't do it yesterday, so I can start afresh today. Is that a fair way to approach it? Absolutely. 
you can start you, you can start anytime i mean what what better time than right now and not waiting for you know the perfect you know you're going to start your routines it's going to create you got to create these habits to get into that mindset if right it's not easy to do. Well, um, right. And and people are complex and they rarely live their lives, their whole being 360 degrees at a time. Usually there's a work slice, a home slice, and it depends how you define these different things. Is mindset something that's foundational that cuts across all of these things or do you tweak it for different contexts? I, I think you have to look at it. I have to, th- I think you have to look at it in each situation, um, okay. what situation. What's, what's the situation? Was there an adversity that you're facing? Are you are you in a state of happiness? So when things when things come come at you, I mean, character is really really made when when we are facing heightened cha- challenges. I mean, when everything's going well and swimmingly, it's it's pretty easy to have the right mindset. It's when when you callous your mind. I think David Coggins used that word. When you callous your mind and harden it, you're able to take on that that adversity a lot stronger. And it's like, I call it building building your stress muscle. Well, I had actually a question about that. And, and I want to, it's a sort of a two-part question. In the book, the example you use is preparation for the marathon. And it's a very hard physical task, but there are also signposts on how to train, what the process is, and an outcome which is pretty clear. You finish or you don't finish or you set a time. Can you share an example where the process is something that you create from whole cloth on your own and the outcome is something that you control or specify. And and I'm going to give you even more instruction. I'd like it to be a bit in terms of like career. If we're strengthening our stress muscle, if we're strengthening our mindset and strengthening a stress muscle, what does scheduled pain in the context of career success what does that look like? Well, I t- I'm actually glad you asked that because scheduled pain is a, in the physical sense is schedule your workout. Right. right? And right. So scheduled pain in a career sense is doing doing the hard things that are going to pay off, have the highest return on your investment or your time. Okay. So in, in, in sales, that's prospecting. And ah, the things nothing, nobody likes doing. Yeah, and it's prospecting. So, you know, in, I'm in the mortgage industry. And right now, rates were forty-year highs, and right. our our business is down, mm-hmm. low inventory, and so it requires way more prospecting. When rates were in the were in the twos, it was pretty easy to get right. a deal. Now right. buyers are scared because of the rates, and and now it requires work. And right. that's you know, that's what I what I tell my team and said instead of prospecting two hours a day, prospect four hours a day and do the hard work. I do the things that that you know. Real estate deals happen on weekends. Work on the weekends. It, mm. It's not. It's not about coasting. It's. It's cyclical. It's seasonal. But it really. It really does require hard work. So that. That would. That's what I would say in terms of pain. Whatever. Whatever is the hardest thing to do. That's going to give you the biggest return on your investment. Those are the things you need to be scheduling. Okay. Now you also mentioned controlling your emotions. Now I've interviewed authors about emotional intelligence. So is this changing your emotion or is this recognizing it recognizing it because you want to be in touch with what you're feeling emotionally okay it's okay. a practice i mean okay. you, could, you could do that and i try to do it in the morning and notice my thoughts mm-hmm. because that's when that's when you can be very aware of worry thoughts right uh, well you also you talk about the pause button which is about controlling how you respond to emotional triggers 
what are the questions that everyone should be asking themselves when they feel emotionally triggered before they do that next action? What are some of the things they should should ask or Who, test? Who's going to read this angry email that I'm about to <laughs> Okay. Who's going to read it and what are they going to do? We've all done that, right? So you fat finger your, 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 your computer, your, your, your fat fingering an email response. And, and then you send it and you're like, oh no, what did I just do? Because you were angry. You didn't, you didn't practice the pause. And that's where practicing the pause is realizing this, this upset me, this triggered me. Mm. I need to take a deep breath. I need to think about this. And what does that what does that requ- what does that require of me to do right now? And then there's a there's a there's a there's a process that I go through is what's the next best thing I could do, and that gives gives me choices. It's interesting. Do you think you could boil it down to what's your purpose in taking an action? What what do you want to achieve? Do you need to sort of drag yourself around to that, or is that or is it less? Is it still in more in an emotional place? Well, you got to check your emotions. Like if mm-hmm. it's anger. You, you have to you have to be aware of that and how mm. should you how should you respond to that situation if it's sadness how should you respond to that situation if you're feeling emotionally hurt mm. how should you respond part and, of the and- book discussing staying grounded it's something you describe in the context of discipline and focus i work with a lot of creative people and a lot of times they aren't particularly athletic, which is, it's interesting when I was interviewing people, I would ask them if they'd played on teams. I like people who understand team sports. It's a great way to learn about person. Unfortunately, in the creative world, a lot of the men worked on it, hadn't played on teams. And so they weren't particularly athletic and they often had a bit of an attention deficit, anxiety cycling tendency. What's a good way to break that cycle? Riddled with anxiety? Well, they spin up. If you will, I guess this goes to what you were talking about at the beginning, where you you notice if you're ruminating and you you kind of pull yourself into observed facts, like do things really go wrong this way? You know, will I really get fired from this? You know, what are some ways you can stop yourself from anxiety cycling and also that you can focus? Now, if somebody isn't a naturally focused person, your book is just you are so driven in your book and not everybody is that driven. Some people have that, that that itself is challenging. So what are some ways that people can get themselves to focus and, and buckle down? Yeah. So that, that's a great question. Here's, here's one way. And it works. It worked for me on, on with some of my goals that, that I seek. It's you have coaches, you have accountability partners, you have colleagues, you have family. And what I, t- what I tell my, when I coach folks, I, I make them declare Mm. their goals. I make them declare where they want to go. So when I, when I was training for my very first Ironman and a few years ago, I got in the pool for the first time in 30 years and started, I swam two laps. I was overwhelmed with anxiety, like overwhelmed. I jumped out of the pool and I sat on the edge and I was like, I can't do this. Mm. The the, the anxiety was overwhelming. I'm not going to be able to make it. And I, I just said, you know what? I told my kids I was going to do this and right. I need, I need to model that. And I need, that was my drop. That was my motivation to, to keep with it. Now I, I very rarely will ever quit anything. I'll fail at a lot of things, <laughs> but I'll never quit. And right. so th- right. that was, that was also a, a driving, a driving piece. Just recognize that you're going to fail, recognize you're going to be very, very, very uncomfortable when you declare things, but then, you know, lean on those people 
those accountability partners that that you you set out to show that you're you're going to do something and whatever that looks like but be very careful so you know just like in that example that that example of declaring to my kids you know my beautiful mother was saying you know you can't do how many miles is that swim run bike you know and 140 miles off the other she's like you're gonna get hurt you can't do that you know i'm, I'm 50 oh old. so you want to make sure you confess to the people who are going to be in your corner and not tell you the whisper the bad ideas <laughs> whisper yeah, the failure their intentions are are, are, are beautiful right? right and but you just got to recognize who you can share with and who you need to keep it keep it close right uh, well it, it can bring you down well, and breaking cycles is a great segue into identifying and breaking negative patterns. In your coaching and work life, what are some of the negative patterns that you've seen people play out and what and how have you coached them to break those cycles? Just a couple of examples. The most common right now is people are stuck. So after COVID, I feel like the mental health crisis, and I think it's a crisis right now, mm. is pretty prevalent. And people are really feeling stuck. I'm talking to top producers, and they're just they're just stuck. And what some what some of those feelings and emotions look like is feelings of doubt, fear, unworthiness. And we try to we try to coach coach out of that recognizing what that doubt is, recognizing what that fear is. All our limiting beliefs are self-imposed. I mean, it's the thoughts okay, we so limit. So name your limiting beliefs, recognize them. And that's sort of the first step to, to breaking it. Oh yeah. Be awareness. Okay. Okay. In your book, you talk about junk miles in the context of training for that Ironman. And I, I love this concept. Can you take listeners through how it would apply? You know, what are junk miles, not in a physical training situation? So in real estate, what would be the equivalent of junk miles? So junk miles is coasting. It, okay. There's there's no real you're you're on autopilot. Okay. You're not you're not creating there's 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 very little focus. There's very little intensity on that focus. There's very little drive on what you So need. is this almost the flip side of the scheduled pain concept? This is the no. opposite. This is not scheduled pain. This is scheduled no. ease. <laughs> yeah, but it's a it's a it's it, it's it's subconscious. Okay. We don't real we don't realize we're doing it. So if you find yourself, you notice that you're in that comfort zone drift. Is mm. that a signal of anything greater? Is it a red flag about your larger goal or values, or is it simply it is what it is, and you just need to shift that piece? Yeah, you gotta you gotta well again bring bring it to awareness. Why are you drifting? You know what's going on in your life. Maybe maybe you're lacking motivation. Maybe you're lacking drive. Where where's it coming from? Do you have a lot of other things going on in your life when it's just it's causing you to to drift and not care? So it's bringing it back. Okay, so it's it's when you're coasting, it's waking up and saying, well, this isn't actually getting me toward my goal, right? And so it's making sure you've articulated that goal a certain amount. Next, one of my favorite things is bulletproof your schedule. And this is one that's especially challenging for distractible people. Can you take us through it? Schedule your day, your day every day, and make sure you schedule that, like we said, the hard things first. Now, I, I believe in hard things first, but I also believe in giving yourself a break. So if you know you have, and we use the example prospecting, if mm. you know you have to prospect, make sure it's in your schedule, but you're not, you're not going to do all four hours in a row 
maybe do a couple hours in the morning, a couple hours in the afternoon, if that's what it takes and give okay. yourself, you know, give yourself some grace, give yourself a break. I think you got to let some easier, I call it white tasks, kind of take up a little bit of your time just for that break. Like I, mm. I, I had a pattern where for years I would just around right after lunch, I would just get out of the office, go for a, a 10 minute, 15 minute drive to a Dunkin' Donuts, get a nice coffee, listen to sports radio. And that was my break. And I, okay. would, and I would get in sprint mode again and, and really drive up the intensity on what I, what task I needed to focus on. But I allowed myself a break. Yes. It, sports radio is, is, is a, a men's soap opera. I get it. And it's, <laughs> But I allowed myself to have that. It, well, it was, and you enjoyed it. You didn't feel bad about it. I, I think it's almost Lord. when people are doing anything, it's okay. And you should let yourself, you shouldn't punish yourself for doing the break. The whole point is that you're taking the break and you should allow yourself to enjoy the break, whatever that break for you is. You also recommend auditing how you actually do. So then the question is, what does it mean if you've audited and you're not hitting your goals? How do you see that failure without internalizing it into your identity? Oh, that's where the coaching comes into play. I think okay. everybody should be coached in their career, in, their, in, in, in life, in business. I think I have several coaches for different things. Mm -hmm. uh, some of it is is physical, but I have business coaches too. And, and I am a coach. And I think that's that auditing is when you when you go through that with your coach you're able to get the guidance uh with a good coach get the guidance on where you're where you're falling short what you might want to tweak and change or add or subtract okay so if a listener here maybe they should look into having a coach but they don't currently have a coach and they're auditing their own stuff what are so some of the questions they should be asking if they've missed is why do I think I've missed? What are some of the other self questions that they should ask? Well, I do a little reflection at the end of the day. What were my wins today? Okay. What did I learn from? And what were the silver linings in any adversity? Okay. Okay. Well, helps. I think, well, I think the idea of winning the day is, is really quite good. And for me, it's a lot like compounding interest, small things add up. You know, and that is really that you don't have to succeed at 100% of the positive change, the success, the focus. But if you can make a consistent 1% success focus in, and it incrementally builds on itself. One thing is, though, again, because I'm a bit pushing you here, if I've audited and I haven't hit my goals, I don't want to internalize that as to a I'm a failing identity. And how is looking, how is the whole winning of the day? How do I avoid that turning into a demand for perfection? Or is it just a self-management thing? Or are there any other tricks? Well, yeah. Well, think about it. If you even if you fall short of your goals, right? And you but you set them, you're way your father, you're way farther ahead than you would have if you didn't hit the target you can't see. Okay. So okay. You're, you're, you've created some wins there, but you've also learned. I mean, those, that's where the greatest lessons come from when we do fall short. short. Mm. And what well, did I learn true. from it? How do I get better? If you keep setting, setting the bar, bar higher and higher, you're going to, you're going to eventually surpass your old goals. Right. Right. Well, let's round things out by talking about the power of positivity. And we did touch on this at the very beginning, but in the book, you talk a little bit about the biological underpinnings of why thinking positive thoughts leads to more positive opportunities. Can you talk a little bit about that? 
Yeah, you set you set yourself up for for opportunities when you look for positivity. If you're constantly negative and distracted and complaining, what usually happens? You're 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 going to create that kind of world around you. Complaining, upset, nothing is ever a good enough environment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and so again, surround yourself with positive positive people. Seek out your own positive emotions. I believe in journaling and meditation is a, a great way to, to focus on that. And part of that is visualizing your success, visualizing your great outcomes. And that's part of the, you know, in line lines up very well with the goal setting process when you're creating your goals and you actually see yourself. But I like to incorporate the five senses of hitting your goal. What, what do you see? What is it? What, what is it? What are you seeing out there? What are you feeling? What are you tasting? What it, what does it smell like? What is that victory? What is that victory? Who's around? Who's around you? Who's hugging you? Who's high-fiving you at that achievement? And and where where are you at? And that's I think that's a great way when you can incorporate your five senses into into when a you're goal. envisioning your goals. It's interesting. I'm, I'm like, wow, does he have notes on my notes ahead of time? Because my next question is around journaling and you walked right into it. It was perfect. So at a lot of points in the book, the thread of journaling comes through. And why have you found journaling so powerful? And it seems to cut across all of the principles and all of the techniques. What do you think it brings to people? Well, if you look back on your journals, it brings a lot of reflection, a lot of growth, a lot of uh, we talk about teaching moments. Journaling has taught me so much about myself and my own life. And then it, you can also see patterns. What you're grateful for, you can see those patterns. And sometimes we forget about we forget about what we're what's working. We forget about what it, what is what we're happy about. Where we're finding happiness. And that process, when you're able to go back and look at some journal notes, my this this book was written from journal notes. Years and years and years of journal notes. Okay. So then you saw, you started seeing the patterns. They started emerging when you were looking through your journals. Right. You that's, how, that's how the thriving mentality came about. Interesting. Where, where, you know, you got three choices. One is victim, where you don't do anything about your adversity and you just say, I'm, I'm the victim of this. And you play the victim role. And the other, the next step is survival. I'm just doing enough to get by. And then taking on a thriving mentality where you're doing everything you can to get out of that adversity as fast as you can, but at a high level of success. Mm-hmm. So you're putting all the you're putting all the steps in place to take you through that with that thriving mentality. Interesting. A fair amount of things that we've talked about involve changing habits, you know, changing thought habits, changing physical habits, changing organizational habits. What have you found to be good techniques that helped you to successfully change habits. Eliminating distractions, and I'll give you a good a good example. We just had the midterms last last week, and I, I hardly I would just check an article, whether it's CNBC or something, just to see what's happening w- with those elections. But I know I know fo- I know people that were glued to their TVs, they were glued to the to their internet, they were glued to everything midterm elections, and hours and hours and hours of following this coverage. And these three states are we going to be Republican? Are we going to be d- Democratic? What's going on? And just they 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 spent you know probably forty hours last week just on that alone. I could spend five minutes and have a conversation with them about what they watched. And I just think that's just a, such a waste of time with with a distraction. 
that that is unnecessary where you can use those hours for productivity. I see. So really, in a way, that's you cannot affect that change, that your ability, you can do what you can do. But beyond that, and also beyond being informed, crawling into the whys and wheres, and if that, then this and what have yous, doesn't really change the outcome, right? I mean, it, it, it seems like it's very much will to power. Where do you have the influence? What can you do? And if you can't, and you've done what you need to do in terms of informing yourself, moving on. Again, you have an incredibly strong, focused ability. Do you ever coach people who just aren't yeah. <laughs> as focused I, as you? I mean, you know, that human, I, so, you know what, we use an example, like I, I was, I was a sports radio junkie, right. But, but what I do now is I, I may listen as a, as a gift to myself, as a reward, but what I'm listening to, are I was listening to your podcast all morning. I was listening to, you know, I have five books on Audible going at all times. When I'm in the car, I'm listening to a personal development book or self-help or a great podcast. I'm not listening to hours and hours and hours of sports radio. I'm not binge watching a Netflix series, you know, every night, you know, because I, and again, if you want to reward yourself and give yourself grace to say, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to go watch Game of Thrones and binge watch it for a weekend because I just, I owe it to myself. But don't make that, a, we talk about habits, don't make that a habit where you're doing it every day and you're not working on productivity. Well, right. It sounds like bulletproof your schedule. So you mm -hmm. you put your schedule in, you schedule some time to do the things you like, but you really do focus and put your energy where it's going to be productive and you know, all of it knits together very well, much like your book, which is a very coherent, we only touched on some segments of it. But thank you so much for taking the time to join me in conversation and share about your story. Thanks for having me, Gabrielle. We reached the end of another episode up next. I'd like to close by thanking my production team at Up Next, my friend Rob Naughton, the voice starts to quote our open. And of course, all of you, the members of our audience, thank you. I'll be talking to you again next time right here on Up Next.